1: I not only have these conversations with the directors, the producers, the actors, I also look at their written contracts. I also look at the nudity and simulated sex writers. There are definitely actors who come in and they're like, great, so I don't like breathing in my ear, do not touch my belly button, and no tickly motions on my legs. If you're gonna grab me, you need to be firm. And other people who are like, ah, oh, no, you know, we'll see.
2: Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, June Thomas.
3: And I'm your other host, Isaac Butler.
2: Isaac, I want to know who we heard from at the top of the show, so please tell me. But it's been a while since you and I have done a show together, so I also need to know what's going on in your creative life.
3: (laughs) Well, thanks, June. First of all, to get the the business out of the way, uh, we heard from Marcus Watson, who is an intimacy coordinator and choreographer. Um, But in terms of my work, uh, I'm in the midst of copy edits for the method right now i'm actually taking a break from them to record this uh, as we speak and uh for people who haven't been through it copy editing a manuscript of a book is a very intense micro detail process uh in which you go through the text and thanks to suggested changes from a copy editor you try to figure out which of your mistakes are a hallmark of your signature style and which are genuine (laughs) uh screw-ups it's interesting and i've actually learned an enormous amount about how my writing works and, and where my taste lies and mm. and stuff like that but it, it's also tough in that you know, the copy editor's great and she's done a wonderful job. It it, it has nothing to do with her, but it, it feels like you're arguing yeah, all yeah, day. Yeah. Um whether it's with the book or with the yourself from the past or the person who suggested the changes. It just it doesn't feel great because you yeah. just feel like you're arguing all the yeah, time, but there's yeah. no one you're actually arguing with so the conversation can't progress.
2: Yeah. Um I just have to I have to intercede to say I worked as a copy editor. I actually think it might my true, like, personality job. I love copy editing, but I have to admit that, like, when you are a copy editor, the bits that you feel great about, like, aha, they're actually kind of asshole things because it's like, well, actually, you know, they're all, well, actually, and, like, it's great. It's great for the book. No one should ever resist copy edits, but it kind of is, like, at heart, a super valuable, a heroic but kind of an asshole job.
3: <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, uh, although I should say the one the woman I'm working with oh. has been very kind through this whole process. All
2: copy editors are the greatest, yeah. The, the other fun
3: thing is that I'm back to freelancing again after taking myself out of rotation for about a year to finish the book. And I, I just had my first piece back, which was here at slate.com, which was a uh, assessment of the career and talents of Owen Wilson. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I hope people will uh, give it a read if they haven't.
2: They should. And we'll put that on the show page. But we should probably talk about this week's guest, right? We should, because he is fascinating. Uh, So you've told me before, it's Marcus Watson. He's an intimacy coordinator. But what does an intimacy coordinator do?
3: So what they do is they consult on the filming or staging of physical intimacy, you know, making out, sex scenes, things of that nature, for theater, TV, and film. His job is to ensure everyone involved is comfortable with everything that's happening and that everything is consensual for all parties. And sometimes he's also staging those scenes himself.
2: Wow. Is that a new job?
3: Yeah, as you'll hear in the interview, it's very new. I was fascinated to learn exactly how new. um, I mean, it's only a few years old and how the field evolved and kind of codified uh, uh, just prior to the Me Too moment in our culture.
2: Wow. I cannot wait to learn more. But before we get to the interview, I also want to mention that Slate Plus members will hear a little something extra from your conversation with Marcus. What will they hear?
3: Yes, we will be talking with Marcus about how working as an intimacy coordinator has changed the way he views sex scenes when he's watching you know, TV and film. We'll also talk about how he personally deals with the psychic fallout of his job and about how the pandemic has affected his work.
2: That sounds amazing. And listeners, you absolutely do not want to miss this. And why would you when it's so easy to subscribe to Slate Plus? You'll get exclusive members only content, zero ads on any Slate podcast. You will be able to read every article you want to on Slate.com. You'll also get bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Danny Lavery's new podcast, Big Mood, Little Mood. And... You will also be supporting the work we do here on Working. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com slash working plus. All right, let's hear Isaac's conversation with Marcus Watson.
3: Marcus Watson, thank you for joining us today on Working.
0: Thank you for having me.
3: Absolutely. So let's just start with the very basics. You're an intimacy coordinator and choreographer. Yes. What is
1: that? It's a multifaceted position uh, in that we work with actors and productions to uh, advocate for the actors as well as choreograph. So I act as a liaison between the talent and the production, so that talent is fully aware of what the production, the producers, the director is wanting from them. And so that the production is fully aware of what the actors are fully consenting to. I gauge their consent level outside of the many power dynamics that exist in TV, film and theater, because directors, producers, they all have so much power in the room in terms of um, hiring and firing power, future gigs, uh, you know, kind of the success of actors in some ways, in some positions. So it's it's about gauging that consent for scenes that are that have been written that the actors will be performing and making sure that they fully understand and are fully consenting to everything that we're doing. And then starting conversations around that and making sure that the... Production is, is getting, you know, what they want within the boundaries that the actors have set. When needed, I, I do choreography. I come from a background of uh, mime, stage combat, acting, gymnastics, dance, very physical storyteller. I love to, to utilize movement and specificity of movement and breath work to make sure that we're telling a very clear and specific story um, true to the, the tone and, and what story we're telling.
3: And, and this this job where, you know, you're choreographing and, and coordinating and mediating as scenes of intimacy are being staged, that's, that's a relatively new profession, right? I feel like... It, yes. It, I, I didn't hear about it 20 years ago, but I feel like I hear about it all the time now.
1: Yes, exactly. And there, I mean, there have been people who have been doing this work, um, not so much as a profession per se, but... Um, Especially not recognized by any industry. I know there are people like Tonya Cena who started IDI with um, some with some other intimacy coordinators and directors. She, you know, wrote a thesis about this in the early two thousands and kind of coined the phrase intimacy direction. Um, so there's there have been people who have been working at this and doing this for a long time, but it wasn't until about two thousand fifteen that IDI created the first company for intimacy coordinators and directors.
3: And what is IDI?
1: Intimacy Directors International was a nonprofit organization meant to spread the work of intimacy uh, coordinators and directors, and they have now folded, having um, accomplished their mission. And so now there are other companies that are also working with coordinators to um, help productions find and connect with uh, intimacy directors and intimacy coordinators. Directors are for theater, coordinators are for film and TV.
3: Oh, interesting, interesting. You know, 2015 seems like a very fortuitous moment to found an organization like that because, of course, we have the Trump election, the Women's March, and the Me Too uh, movement or moment that immediately come after that. Exactly. Do you feel like, essentially, this profession has become more widely accepted and adopted as a response to those political and cultural currents?
1: Definitely. I think they were so lucky to have started this company before me too i think because the me too movement like rocket launched their um their mission and the mission of idi and i think it it wasn't that these stories had not been told or that um people didn't know that this was happening in the industry it was just after these movements it was no longer able to ignore it
3: so You mentioned earlier that you have experience and training in mime and stage combat and things like that. How did you get from there to doing intimacy work?
1: It was, I mean, a long road. Um, I was choreographing in New York City for stage productions, doing um, stage combat, choreographing violence, as well as the, the odd stunt job here and there. And theaters will bring in would bring me in for sometimes scenes of sexual violence um, to, to deal with um, the violent aspect of the scene. And when working on that, if there were kisses or, or gropes or, or anything like that, I would approach those in the same way that I would approach choreographing a fight where we would talk about it, we would discuss the safeties, we would discuss where hands were would be going, where the actors are comfortable being touched and kind of define boundaries define safeties and move from there and then just because a kiss or a touch might be within that moment I would discuss breath and and who's initiating this kiss in the same way that I would say who's initiating this punch or this grab um and directors would would see that and they'd be like you you know that was that was a really great way that you handled that there was another kiss uh in the show and you know, would you mind looking at that as well? And it has nothing to do with violence, but like come in and and take a look at that. So it kind of was, that was happening where there were, there was not someone specifically for these scenes of kind of hyper exposure for the actors of these intimate moments. And uh, we had multiple fight choreographers who were kind of noticing this. Um, And that's kind of what helped to start IDI Um, And I happen to be working with Alicia Rodas, who uh, is another co-founding member of IDI. Um, We were teaching at a university out on Long Island doing stage combat whenever she was starting the company. And so we had many hour-long drive trips out to Long Island to discuss the whole movement and the company and just Mm. kind of what is needed in these situations. And so from then I started doing all of the the workshops and um, practice workshops and things that she was doing in the city and um, just really continued to grow my techniques and skills for intimacy coordination using my background in very um, physical storytelling
3: and is there a certification process like if i'm a producer looking for an intimacy coordinator is there like a a guild that i go to they like who's who's checked out to do this
1: yeah so there is and there there are things in the works that will probably be coming out in the next year or two that that will help productions uh even more so right now there are several companies who do certification um I originally certified with IDI, and I am now certified with uh, IDC, which is Intimacy Directors and Coordinators. And uh, you can see a list of the certifications and and what we have to do to um, become certified, the number of hours we have to train, the kinds of trainings, the mental health first aid training, the bystander intervention training, trauma training. So there's lots of things that go into um, the certification process.
3: And how do you get your work? Is it word of mouth? Do you have an agent? Are there specific actors who like to work with you again and again? Like, how do you actually get a job once you've been through all this training?
1: All of the above. Um, It comes, there are some times where actors have heard about intimacy coordinators and they say, I don't know how to get one, but hey, production, we need one. And I am asking for this. Um, and sometimes it's an internet search, which brings people to the IDC page where you can find different certified, um, intimacy directors or coordinators, depending on region and area of the United States or even areas of the world. And then there are sometimes where it's word of mouth through productions. Like I've worked with this first AD on this set. And now this first AD is working on this totally different set. And they're like, Hey, bring this person in, it was really great to, to work with them. So there's word of mouth that way. Um, there's also we're a, a very close community. So whenever we're being reached out to, if, if we're already on a show or already doing something, we are also giving these productions colleagues names and information so that um, they can reach out to us.
3: And when you start working on a project, what are the early parts of the creative process there? Are you, are your first conversations with the director about sort of what they want staging wise? Are they with the actors? Like, you know, you're on a movie set, you have a screenplay that calls for a sex scene, you know, like, like what's, what's the beginning steps of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes that the screenplay, the script, it will say they have sex. And then it's like, that's what it is. So it's kind of like in Shakespeare, they fight. So it's then, okay, well, what is the story we're telling? Um, and so it's really talking to the director um, and the writers sometimes to figure out exactly what the tone um, is, what they're looking for, uh, how they're going to be shooting this, um, if there's any you know pertinent details that I need to know. And then making sure that, Um, those types of things are are related to actors. And then, you know, we gauge, I will gauge consent with the actors and, uh, just open up lines of communication between the two. Um, sometimes the director has a very straightforward vision and the actors are are very comfortable and they've worked together for seasons or, or things of that nature. So they're ready to go and they, they understand the scene. They get the choreography. They, it's, it's a very easy thing. Other times it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge or you have lots of background or you have um, lots of things happening, um, multiple couples who are engaged in um, simulated sexual activities. So um, sometimes it can be a little bit more of the the fun choreography collaboration um, type of stuff. And other times it's very straightforward and, and just working on boundaries and consent.
3: Do directors usually have a lot of specific staging ideas for these scenes or is it often like i don't know i want this to be really joyous this is a turning point in this character where their life is getting better or whatever for 2 minutes or, yeah.
1: or is it like like
3: or is it usually like i need him to move his hand here cuz the camera's there and then
1: yeah so i've had directors who have you know printed out 3 pages of these are the the moments and the beats of this non-scripted moment and so here's how we do this and it's very detailed and then I've had directors who are like, eh, whatever the actors want, let's tell a story of, like, really great consensual sex, you know, type of thing. Um, and then in the moment, I'm watching Monitor uh, and making sure that um, everything we're seeing is telling the story that the production and the actors have agreed to tell and that they're wanting to tell. Um, so, I, you know, there are times where, you know, the director might be like, it's just it's not syncing up or it's not lining up, but there's something odd. And I'm like, well, actually I think it's like, let me try something. So it's going and saying, I think it's a little breath work or you know, they're off rhythm or there's something. And it's like, it's not that they're off rhythm, it's just hips need to be adjusted and we need to uh, adjust the positioning a little bit. So it's coming in and knowing how the body works and how to make quick little tweaks to without having to restage the whole thing or just say, do it better, do it better. I'd be, come in and be like, well, let's isolate your chest and breathe out at this moment. So really, right, right. you know.
3: And of course, I mean, you and I are talking about joyful, consensual sex scenes within within uh, scripts. But it seems ever more frequently that's not actually the kind of sex scenes we're seeing on TV and movies, right? They're awkward and funny, or they're disappointing and bad, or they're not consensual, right? Mm-hmm. As as we begin to confront more of this stuff as a society, more of our sex scenes focus on moments of sexual violence. And so in those moments, how are you navigating that? Because that is a creative challenge as well, right? About how to do this in a way that is not traumatizing to the actors who have to actually go through with it.
1: Yes. In those types of situations, it's even more imperative to have open lines of communication and the ability to say no. I don't see no as like a Shutting of a door. I see no as a conversation starter. You tell me no. I'm like, okay, great. So then let's talk about all these other options. You know, I'm a physical storyteller. I don't think there's just one way to tell a story. So if you're not comfortable with this touch, if you're not comfortable with this motion, if this move, this position, great. Let's look at all the ways that we can change this to still stay within your bounds. You know, your your boundaries, um, but tell the story that we have all agreed to tell. But it is very difficult for actors sometimes to tell these stories for both for, for the, like in a scene of sexual violence for the aggressor as well. You know, this is someone who's putting their likeness out there in a very, um, aggressive way and wanting to make sure that they are taking care of their scene partner. And there is a lot of weight that goes into that. So not just looking at the person who is in the, in the script and the action who is, um, who's having violence done to them, but also looking at the aggressor and saying, hey, you're an actor, you're not this violent person, and what are you having to do? What are the, the safeties that you're implementing as well to make sure that you are mentally taking care of your emotional and mental health during these scenes? And that's a lot of our, our work, too, is closure um, and, and checking in with each other and making sure that we are not just looking out for the physical safety of the actors, but that we are making sure that we are setting things in place to to watch out for mental and emotional health as well.
3: Every collaborative relationship has conflict in it, right? And it seems like a lot of your job is actually mediating conflicts. between I mean, the opening lines of communication But that's inherently going to involve mediating conflicts between actors and directors. Mm-hmm. How do you approach conflict and, and trying to get on the other side of it and find the, the, the right step forward?
1: I mean, when there's conflict, it's usually because there has been a lack of communication rarely is it because someone is just being a jerk um i find and i and i can't speak for anyone else i just the situations i've been in that's what i have noticed is that it hasn't been someone coming in to say i'm going to make bad decisions and i'm going to hurt someone today it is that there is a lack of communication or a misunderstanding and the more work that I can do beforehand is helpful. So that's why I not only have these conversations with the directors, the producers, the actors, I also look at their written contracts. I also look at the nudity and simulated sex writers that are signed ahead of time. I make sure that the the wording and um, the descriptions of uh, what is happening in the scenes are correct, and what the actor is agreeing to. So that that way, when we step foot on set, we have a very safe space that we've created so that the, the actors can make dangerous choices and, and be um, a little bit more bold in their choices because they know the boundaries and, and the, the things we have put into place to keep them safe.
2: We'll be back with more of Isaac's conversation with Marcus Watson.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply.
1: Bank of America NA member FDIC.
2: One of the things we'd love to do with this show is help solve your creative problems. Whether you have a question about getting down to work or what you can do to improve communication with collaborators, anything at all, please ask us. Send them to us at working at slate.com, or you can also give us a ring at 304-933-WORK. And if you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Working wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's return to Isaac's conversation with Marcus Watson.
3: What are some examples of boundaries that come up in your work? And how do you let actors know that it's okay to tell you what those are?
1: Definitely. So, yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. As an actor, you are taught to be the clay in a way that uh, you're moldable and you bend at the the director or you know at the whim of the person who is molding you um so in many ways we have silenced uh actors dancers performers have silenced that little voice inside of you that tells you its a boundary and and because you've been told it's it's good to be um brave and step out of a comfort zone um and that's where sometimes um trauma can happen because you are not listening to your body um, so many times I come in and I say, "Great, so let's talk about boundaries. Do you have boundaries?" And actually, like, "No, no, no. I'm totally fine. I'm totally good. I'm an uh, open book. No boundaries whatsoever." And then when we start getting into the the moments of the scene, and and I, I let that I let that sit. I, I don't contradict it because there are. I mean, who am I to say that you have no boundaries or, or you know what it is? That's that's not my position. My position is to listen. Um, and then as we continue to go into the details of the scene. Um, and what is appropriate for this scene? Um, let's say this scene is about kissing and undressing. And we're not doing any simulated acts, but it is undressing, maybe a little bit of groping and kissing. So at that point, I'm like, great. So let's set some boundaries for the scene because this scene doesn't need, um, at this point, any touching of groin, right? And they're like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. We, we, I don't want anyone to touch my groin for this scene. It's like, okay, great. So that's a that's a boundary that you had that that you weren't willing to tell me. And maybe that boundary is not for every single scene you do, but for this scene, for these specific, um, you know, the context of this scene, that is a boundary. Same thing with, um, great, are we kissing with tongue? Are we biting lips? Where where are your boundaries with the type of kiss that we're doing? So, yeah, I'm totally fine with a kiss. Okay, awesome. Um, What happens if they want to bite your lip? Or what are what are our bounds or kind of what is the container that we're setting so that we know exactly what's okay to to do and, and where we're stepping back? Um, so I'm breaking down and getting really specific given the context of the scene that we are shooting, and that helps to open up the conversation about specific boundaries um, because you don't you don't need. Your whole body open if we're just doing a kissing scene. You don't need your whole body open if we're doing a simulated sex scene. There's no reason for them to touch your feet. There's no reason for them to, you know, to to do some of the things that uh, might be done in one scene. There's no reason for it in this scene. So it helps to set those boundaries. Um, but yeah, there are definitely actors who who come in and they're like, great, so. Uh, I don't like breathing in my ear. Do not touch my belly button and no tickly motions on my legs. If you're going to grab me, it needs to be firm. You know, so I have some people who come in very clear and aware of what their boundaries are and other people who are like, ah, oh, no, I'll, you know, we'll see.
3: Right. And then, yeah, they they can discover boundaries when they're running the scene and then actually be like, oh, I thought I was okay with this thing, but I'm not.
1: Exactly. Because it's not consent if you can't retract it. Um, so consent is fully retractable. And we can always change what's happening in the sense that, great, you're consenting to this, but then the role is recast and this is someone who you don't know. Your boundaries can change given the person, given who's in the room, given, oh, I'm on a sofa, not a bed. That changes how I feel about how we're shooting this scene. Um, So consent is very specific to the context and the moment. Um, And if anything changes, that can change consent level um, as well as saying nothing in the scene changed. And it turns out that today I'm in a different place than what I was yesterday when we talked about this and I'm updating my boundaries. Awesome. Or I slept on it and Marcus, you were right. I did have more boundaries and here they are. Um, and and talking about it that way. Right.
3: One thing we talk about on the show quite a bit is the revision process. And I'm very curious, what does revision look like in your line of work?
1: yeah so so if something needs to be revised if if a change needs to happen i I feel it's very important that there's no questioning of that a boundary is put in place because the person says it's a boundary and there's no need to justify that or or explain it i feel it's very important that that it is a boundary because you say it is a boundary and if that if something becomes a boundary that is not on you to fix it is on us to come up with a way to continue to move forward and get the if we can continue to move forward and get the shot, unless it is a something that is going to stop and change the scene. Which in that case, we can stop and change the scene, and we can discuss that with the writers and the director. I will say rarely that happens because so much energy is put into communicating things beforehand and setting up a safe space, usually what happens, a boundary changes or something is happening, or this is really uncomfortable, or my, you know, my, my modesty garment or whatever is not allowing me to do this move or whatever it is, we need to change something. Great. I come in, I say, what is the exact thing that's happening? Awesome. So we can still get this story. We can still sell what's happening in this way. We, you know, and then it's discussing with the actors what it is that they are comfortable with, clarifying the new boundaries, and then going to the director and saying, this is what we have, these are some options. I have several options. Many times I'll come and I'll already have ideas. The second something like that happens, I'm thinking, okay, great, we can do it this way, we can change it this way, we can change angles slightly and do this. I'm coming up with like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. And then I'll go to the director and be like, great, so this is the boundary, these are the new boundaries. And sometimes the director has an idea right away. And I'm like, oh, yep, that fits. And it's actually my plan D, so awesome. Sometimes the director's like, well then what are we gonna do? And I'm like, well, here's some options. Would you like to hear them? <laughs> great, you do, okay, awesome. Here's, here's my fixes and let's do it this way. So it is, it is about you know, thinking on the fly sometimes and coming up with things and also not questioning the change or the boundary that the, that the actor is giving.
3: It seems like so much of your job is reliant on the actors feeling comfortable with you, trusting you, you know, knowing you have their interests at Mm -hmm. heart. Mm -hmm. When you're working with actors you haven't worked with before, what are you doing in your sort of, you know, performance in those first meetings to make it clear like, hey, I've got your back. I I really am here for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of listening and... And making sure that I give them space to to tell me exactly what it is that they need and what they expect, as well as, you know, letting them know that, you know, a little bit of my background, where I'm coming from. I'm coming from this place and I'm here to make sure that you understand exactly uh, what it is you're consenting to, to make sure that you have your boundaries set, to make sure that you feel, you know, safe in these situations. This work in its nature is uncomfortable. Um... You know, how many times do you have to go to work and take your clothes off in front of your coworkers? So it's, it's an uncomfortable situation. So I can't make some of these things comfortable, but I can make sure that they're safe and that we are, we feel emboldened uh, and empowered to make decisions about our own body.
3: Do you feel like it gets complicated by, or there's a, there's a hump you need to get over because you're a man. Like I imagine that given which gender uh, is often the one uh, pressuring people or committing these acts or whatever. Like, I I imagine there would be an inherent, like, oh, it's a guy kind of thing that might happen sometimes.
1: Yes, I I am very aware of that. Um, I mean, it's something that, um, you know, I have to be aware of when I step on a set, that um, I am a white male with, really dark facial hair and I'm coming into this set and I make sure I, I wear my sweaters and my cardigans and my Mr. Rogers best, you know, and I, I try to come in and uh, luckily I'm short and small of stature, which I think also is unimposing, but there's not much that I can do if someone is very uncomfortable with a man. And that's some of the Mm -hmm. stuff that we have, we have conversations beforehand. What I have noticed Um, It's when people have not worked with an intimacy coordinator, especially producers, where they're, they're wanting to make the best decisions for their actors. And in, in doing that, they're like, well, this, this is an actor, you know, this is a scene between a man and a woman, I want to make sure the woman is taken care of. I'm not sure a man is the best to to bring in. Um, And I, I would say an advocate is an advocate, no matter their gender. I am there to to make sure that boundaries are upheld and that the story we're all agreeing to tell is told. Um, and that doesn't matter with gender. Um, now, I understand that there are going to be people who will not want to work in these moments with a man. I understand that and I accept that. And if that's the case, then that's not the right job for me. There are many other intimacy coordinators and directors.
3: You've choreographed the scene right it's now time to do a take the director signed off on it so now what's your what's your job at this point when the actual cameras are
1: rolling i am at that point i am there looking at monitor to to make sure that we are seeing what we're supposed to be seeing to make sure that that the choreography stays within the boundaries that the actors have set and that if things are changing or if i see that you know, the more takes we get, the more comfortable the actors are getting and and things are evolving a little bit to make sure that I'm stepping in after a take and saying, great, how are these uh, boundaries still going? How are you feeling? Do we need to reset anything? Just so that they feel like they have the ability to continue to work and, and be in that movement, but staying within the boundaries that, that the actors have set themselves.
3: What to you is the hardest
1: part of your job? The hardest part is there are times where I come onto a set and I'm only there for one day. And so I'm not there for weeks on end meeting everyone, understanding how the the culture of this set works as opposed to the culture of this other set. So I'm stepping in and having to, to really understand the best way to work within this group and within this dynamic of people, which can be very challenging, especially with all the different personalities of directors and producers and the AD team and costumers and wardrobe and hair and makeup and if there's prosthetics and, and how we're dealing with that and visual effects, there are many different, different areas that I have to step in and work with depending on what kind of a scene it is. So I would say one of the most difficult things is coming in and knowing exactly how each production needs me to work, but at the same time being able to do my job and and step in when needed because it's a fine line and it's a fine balance um, of not wanting to come in and and change the dynamic and or the feel of the set. You know, people are worried that we're coming in and we're like the the sex police or or like HR in a way, and that's not what we are. Like, I'm not there to, you know, to like lessen the kink or whatever it is. I'm there to make sure that it's just consensual and that everyone knows what's happening.
3: Right. Yeah. I imagine there's some directors who like at the moment when you're entering in the process are a little bit like, uh, are you going to try to, you know, control my, my ideas too much or, you know, whatever. Exactly.
1: I mean, many of these directors have been in this industry for a very long time working on these scenes, these types of scenes. And now here's a new position that's coming in and many directors have not worked with intimacy coordinators before, um very very rarely do i step onto a set where a director has already worked with an intimacy coordinator Mm -hmm. so not only is it me working with a new production but it's a lot of times a director working with a position that they've never worked with or or engaged with before so there is a little bit of uh, hesitancy sometimes of what is your position how are you going to step in are you going to override me are you going to try to override me or i can do this there's no need to do this i can choreograph i've been choreographing sex scenes for a very long time let's do this and it's about stepping in and being like great so now let's talk about you know what are the pitfalls of doing this and and not checking in on consent and and be you being the one who's checking in on consent given that you have a lot of power in the room and that will actors be comfortable telling you no will actors be comfortable saying i'm not comfortable with that so um there's that aspect of it but then there's also the aspect of you can totally choreograph, you can totally do what you want to do, given that it's within those boundaries and everything the actors have, have um, set up. And as long as all that communication happens beforehand, the director already knows all of that. The actors already know all of that. And and the director can do exactly what the director does. And I'm just there to to help and to assist in the same way that a stunt coordinator is there to to make it safe and to help the production's vision come to fruition. I am there to make sure that the director and the production's vision comes to fruition while still keeping everyone safe and making it look good. You know, I come from a background of movement. I can... I can say, oh, this looks really awkward. And the reason specifically is because his knees are bent and we need to step in and we need to straighten these knees in this moment and and do it this way because (laughs) that looks awkward. And you, you might not know why it looks awkward. You're just like, it looks awkward. Like, ah, okay. Straighten his knees and get the core's, you know, hips closer together. And then we're good to go because I am a specialist in, in movement and telling a physical story.
3: Well, Marcus Watson, thank you so much for joining us and talking about your work and your creative process.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
2: Wow, Isaac, that was really interesting. I realise, of course, that there are surely many paths to getting into this field, but it is fascinating to think about Marcus's path from fight choreography to sexual violence choreography to intimacy choreography. And it's really clear what the path is there. It's all about making things look a certain way to the audience while making sure that safety and consent are absolutely paramount for the actors involved.
3: Yes, absolutely. You know, the more physical contact there is between actors on stage or screen, the more carefully it has to be worked out. And, and usually these moments, whether they're physical combat or, or sex or whatever, they should feel absolutely real to the viewer, but there's something else uh, kind of artificial and almost mechanical to the participants. Mm-hmm. In fight choreography, most of the time, the people involved in the combat make little to no physical contact with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's different with intimacy, of course, particularly on camera when you kiss you're really kissing but you Mm -hmm. also want it to be controlled and worked out so you can feel comfortable with what you're doing it's kind of an old adage like if you look up old articles about staging sex scenes you know that that reporters have written about they almost all open with some Mm -hmm. version of uh the least sexy day in a film is when they're filming the sex scene it is actually the least sexy least improvised, most mechanical, most robotic for the participants part of the process, even if it looks very different uh, when we see it at home.
2: This is also one of those new roles that when you hear what's involved in the job, your first reaction, or at least my first reaction, is, well, what were they doing before this job was invented? Like As Mark has pointed out, the power dynamics between like, the director or the production team and the actor mean that it feels absolutely essential to have a third party come in to have the conversation to ensure that everyone feels comfortable with what's being asked of them or with making a request so you've been a theatre director what were people doing before this role came along
3: I mean, I I think what they were doing is kind of muddling through, you know, I mean, actors, particularly at a higher level, particularly in TV and film, a lot of what they are willing to do about nudity and physical contact would be in their contracts. So Mm -hmm. in some ways, the agent is actually the person working out some of that. But you hear tons and tons of stories of directors or producers trying to get actors to agree to do stuff. That they said they wouldn't do in their contract particularly around women and nudity i mean there's there's hundreds and hundreds of stories about it um and sex scenes are traditionally staged by directors sometimes by fight choreographers or other kinds of choreographers but traditionally by not by someone who is called an intimacy coordinator um and some directors we should say very good at that they're very good at sensitively navigating those issues making sure everyone is on board kind of moving through what those power dynamics are like like there are people who are like that but there are enough people who aren't like that or who just kind of don't care enough Mm. to make the job in this new field really necessary but but we should say it's not only about intimacy I and mean, mm-hmm. fans of ted lasso may have seen this article about um hannah waddingham who's an actor on ted lasso who was also on game of thrones and there's a scene in game of thrones in which she was waterboarded and she was essentially waterboarded for 10 hours while they filmed the scene on mm-hmm. set and she was not well taken care of during that process and it left her with lasting trauma so Ugh. you know this is something that there's still a lot of work to be done on
2: yeah god that sounds awful. I was really interested to hear how actors often discover boundaries as they're making a play or a movie. Like they'll go in saying, oh, no, I'm fine with whatever. But then as the thing is being made, their body will respond a certain way and they'll suddenly realize, well, actually, touching me there is bringing stuff up I didn't expect. I need another option. I realize that every production is different, but I'm curious if that kind of physical response requiring a change of plans is something that occurs in other parts of putting on a play or making a movie?
3: Oh, yeah. I don't think that's limited to physical intimacy at all. But uh, a lot of actors, particularly young, particularly early career actors, they want to be game for anything. That is a value that's kind of been inculcated in them as they grow up and go through theater school. You know, the show must go on. You are there to serve the material and the director, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. And they may agree to something genuinely and try Mm -hmm. it, genuinely and then just discover it doesn't work for them uh or it doesn't feel safe um and sometimes it might really not be safe like there's a prop knife that hasn't been sufficiently dulled and they could cut themselves i was once directing a show where there was a prop knife and the crew hadn't dulled it sufficiently and the lead actor was like hey this i could actually hurt myself with this you know that's that's that sort of thing has to be addressed um there are some times when an actor actually has a barrier that needs to be negotiated, and they, not physically, I'm talking psychically mm. here, and mm. that actually does need to be negotiated so that they can move through it because it's essential to the part. You know, maybe they have. Uh, they might discover that the story of a play brings up a personal issue with them and you know mm-hmm. you have to help them navigate that um, yeah. but particularly if it's a matter of physical safety or comfort you, you have to try to accommodate them to the extent that you can or change what you're doing and I think part of being a the skill of being a director the part of it that's a lot of management is about when am I kind of helping this person get over this thing and when am I actually saying no 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 no, no. we're just going to rearrange this to accommodate this because this is is something that you shouldn't have to get over
2: yeah it's tricky um you've mentioned in the past that you have worked as an actor and you've also done a lot of work as a theater director which is more awkward directing intimacy or playing it
3: Well, I was not a professional actor for very long. You know, I was a child professional actor. So luckily there was no intimacy there. And then I did (laughs) it a little, a couple times after college and stuff like that. So most of the physical intimacy work that I did was in in high school and college and acting class. And I can say though, just based on that, without a doubt, it is acting it. Actually having to do it (laughs) is much, much worse than the awkwardness of talking to people about doing it and and describing it. Um, You know... And I think that's because you are, to a certain extent, really experiencing it. You know, you really are yeah. kissing that person. You might not be using tongue. You might be faking that there's tongue involved. But you are really kissing that person. It's weird not to have um, – you can't do that and have no associations stirred up whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would often yeah. find, you know, you're, you're snuggling with someone on stage or whatever. And there's this little voice in the back of your head that's like, your girlfriend's going to see this. Uh. You know that, right? What is she going to think about what's going on right now? And it would just completely draw me out of the scene.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, a, a challenge to your kind of technique as much as anything else.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I do think is really odd about on screen intimacy is like, so like, does your partner watch these movies? Or, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is always yeah, like part of yeah, the actor's yeah. job that I find really, um, really strange.
2: It's a very strange job, let's admit it. So listeners, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you have, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, then you'll never miss an episode. And yes, I'm going to give you a Slate Plus pitch. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcasts, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Danny Leverie's new show, Big Mood, Little Mood. You'll be able to read everything you want on slate.com and you'll be helping to support the work we do here at Working. It's only a dollar for the first month. To learn more, go to slate.com workingplus working plus.
3: Thank you to Marcus Watson for being our guest this week, and as always, enormous thanks to our fantabulous producer, Cameron Drews. This week, we also got some production help from Shayna Roth, so Shayna, thanks so much for uh, helping us out. We'll be back next week for June's conversation with journalist Jose Antonio Vargas. Uh, he is one of the most interesting writers about immigration and citizenship around. You are not gonna wanna miss this special July 4th episode, and until then, get back to work.